At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast, a production of iHeartRadio. Gonna tell it like it really is We know Haney doesn't give a sh Silencing critics, eliminate misses Two chips never accept on shoulders to get better Everybody knows the name, read about it We're golf teachers, hall of fame, never doubt it It's time for the truth, here's our dude You're listening to Haney You're listening to Haney you're listening to Haney. It's time for the truth. Here's our dude. You're listening to Haney. Listening to Haney. Welcome to the Hank Haney Podcast. Hank Haney here with you and uh, a great producer, the Minnesota Tim Parachka. Uh, Minnesota Tim, how are you doing? Hey Hank, I'm doing great. It's um, you love your weather updates, so it was a pretty nice day here in Minnesota. <laughs> it was a it was a great 20 degrees with no wind, no oh, wind wow. at all. But um, so yeah, great day, great day. How all are right. you? I'm doing good. I was in uh, Las Vegas yesterday. Uh, played in a uh, charity golf tournament. It was called the uh, was weekend at Bernie's. Charity uh, golf tournament. How about that? That's a great name. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, good friend Bernie Nichols, who uh, played in the NHL, played for a, a few different teams, but uh, one of the teams was the LA Kings. And the charity was to actually benefit, well, the recipients of the, the uh, donations that they, they give out are for people that, I can't afford like a a proper burial of a you know loved one or person. So it's interesting. Like like you know when people die, I mean it happens you know every day, and you know sometimes they the families can't afford a, a proper burial, 
And, and this uh, foundation, uh, it's called the Unforgettables, uh, provides funds for you know people to provide a, a proper burial to uh, a loved one. So it's a, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing. You know, there's some, you know, obviously whenever you play them on these charity tournaments, they, they give you these uh, great stories and about people that have benefited and, you know, they're all, they always, you know, pull at your heart. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to. And anyway, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, it's fun to be involved in, in charity work. Like it's one of the great things about the game of golf is that you get to, uh, you know, feel like you're giving back in a, in a certain way. And obviously golf does that incredibly and the PGA tour does it incredibly, but you know, that doesn't count all the, the charity tournaments that take place all over the United States, you know, every, every year, uh, for all the, the, the great charities and, and they benefit because people love the game of golf and they, they play and, and they, uh, you know, are, are able to, to, to give back. Obviously golf's a expensive game to play. And there's a lot of people that play golf that have the wherewithal and they've been, you know, blessed enough to have the wherewithal to give back to their community or to local charities and, and they, and they do it. And yesterday was a, uh, it was a fun day. I was at, in uh, Las Vegas. We played at reflection Bay, which is out at Lake Las Vegas. And it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Weekend at, uh, week, weekend at Bernie's. That's a TV show, right? <laughs> I don't know. Is it? I think it might be. I think that's where they got it, but it was, uh, Bernie Nichols invited uh, a lot of, um, well, I mean, just a lot of celebrities to come play, and I'm gonna, I'll try to give you a little list here. Uh, Mario Lemieux, who the, the obviously great uh, Hall of Fame hockey player from the uh, uh, Pittsburgh uh, Penguins, uh, a Grant Fuhr, a great goaltender from the uh, Edmonton Oilers, uh, my friend Bernie Nichols, I, I, I mentioned. Um, there was a, a lot of other Marty McSorley, one of the, the great fighters in the in the history of the, the game of hockey. Uh, he was there, and uh, let me see who am I missing? Okay, baseball players. They had uh, Roger Clemens, uh, w- which is is pretty cool. David Wells, which is you know two New York Yankees. Those guys. That was that was cool stuff. Uh, let me see. Uh, Vinny Del Negro used to uh, coach for the uh, he coached the Phoenix Suns. A uh, r- really, really good guy. He was there. Kurt Busch, the great uh, NASCAR driver, was there. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh, Jerome Bettis from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Those are some great names. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like a, a pretty A list deal. Uh, Dan Jensen uh, from the Olympic gold medalist, speed skater. He was there. Uh, Mike Ruzioni. Uh, captain of the uh, Miracle on Ice Olympic hockey team. It was the 40-year anniversary. Yeah, this past he was weekend. there. Yeah, he was there. He was. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a great guy and a you know passionate passionate golfer. Um, let me think. Who else am I missing? Anyway, it was uh, you know I was honored to be there. I mean it was it was uh, it was it was pretty cool. It was cool to get invited and uh, all good guys and they're passionate. Daniel Negreanu. Uh, do you know who he is? No, I'm not familiar with him. That's oh, the only okay. one. He's he would he would be uh, he would be either the best or second best poker player in the world. Okay, uh, him and Phil Ivey are the two best poker players in the world. Daniel Negreanu, 
uh, he was there. Yeah. So and and they had a, a, the uh, first night that they had a like pairings party, the owner reception. Then we, then they had a, a poker tournament, and I, I I was not too bad, bud. I actually I I don't, I don't even you know I played very little poker. Okay. Texas Hold'em. I don't know. Do you know how to play Texas Hold'em? Barely. I'm the same as okay. you. Yeah, I barely know how to play. Now, I used to play online when it was legal. You know, I put money in the account and I played in a bunch of beginner games that were just like cheap games because I didn't want to you know, lose a lot of money because I didn't know what I was doing. So when you play in those low games, those low limit games, you're playing against a bunch of beginners. So I, you know, I, I did okay. But then when you start trying to play for a little more money, you're going to get killed because the guys really know what they're doing. And I barely know what I was. So I had, I, this was years ago when I did that. You know, they had, there was, the, the whole thing went up in smoke. And when they, the government made it illegal, which, which doesn't make any sense, but that's another subject. So then uh, I haven't played poker since. So before I went there, I had to literally get online and refresh my memory of what you're supposed to do. You know, so I, I barely know what I'm doing. So they have like 12 tables set up and there's, I think, like how many people at a table. And this is how little I know about poker. But it seems like there's maybe like eight guys at the table and there's like 12 tables. So they had like 96 people playing poker. I think that was right. And then what happens as as players start to get eliminated, then they start consolidating the tables and you get eliminated when all your cash is gone. You start off with a certain amount of money. And then when you lose it all, you're, you're, you're eliminated and you're consolidated. The winners are consolidated into a certain table. So anyway, they had like 12 tables. I made it to like, I made it to like, there was three tables left and I was still in it. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Like at the first table I'm playing and I'm, and there's, (laughs) there's like two guys that are professional (laughs) poker players there. And I don't even know what I'm doing. Okay. And I, and, and, but there's luck involved. You know, you get the draw the cards and then you draw the, the, the flop is the fourth card. And then you draw the river card as the last card. And I mean, I'm like, I'm at, at the, my first move was to push all in. Cause everybody said, look, if you don't want to be stuck here all night, just push all in. And if you lose it all in the first hand, you're, you're going to, you know, you're out. So I, I do the all in. Well, next thing you know, I win. Now I got a big pile of chips. Okay. And now I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to just try and lose them all because I mean, I, I'm actually off to a good start here. And the next thing you know, I, I, I was winning some hands and then I, I pushed all in a couple of times and I got like severely lucky. And, and I, anyway, I was hanging in there till the, till the end. And then the table limits got real high. They keep bumping the limit up and now your, your bets are, are really big and and then if you just have a couple bad luck hands or, or even one you're you're pretty much pretty much gone uh and i i i won a bunch of hands and i mean there was there was probably i don't know maybe like you know 12 people left or something when i i got eliminated so i was like right down to the end uh but then i was out you know and and i, I had no business being there but, but anyway it was fun yeah, and I, I enjoyed it and then did that. And then we uh, the next day we played. It was a windy day, really windy. And I uh, did a little clinic first for, for everybody they, they, to raise money for the charity, the Unforgettables char- Charity. We did a little clinic and people signed up. And if they signed up and paid like a, I, I don't know what they paid. They paid like 
$300 or $500 to come to my clinic. And just to, you know, everything was just to raise more money for charity. And then I did the, uh, I did the clinic before, which was, it was, it was cool. Yeah. What's that entail, Hank? What, what is it? What is your, what is a clinic like yours? What is it? Okay. They had no driving range. So we set up out in front of the, in the, on the 18th fairway. And they gave me some balls out there and everybody just gathered around. And really, you know, I, I just, I had like 15 people and I just talked and uh, my friend Bernie Nichols was there and Mario Lemieux came and listened to, which I was honored. You know, Mario Lemieux is one of the greatest hockey players ever. And he, he like, he's a really good golfer too. I mean, like a really good player. I mean, like when he hits, he, he makes the sound. I mean, he can, he can hit the ball. And he listened, he, he was there listening to my whole clinic and I, you know, take everybody through the three keys to golf, which you've heard a million times, Tim, uh, you know, eliminate your penalty shots, eliminate your two chips, eliminate your three pots. And then I, you know, tell people how to fix their big miss and I demonstrate a little bit and show them. And I had one guy that the night before he, he goes, I've sliced the ball my whole life and I, I and there's no way, you know, you could fix my slice. Well, I mean, I didn't take this as a knock, but I don't think the guy had any idea who I was. Okay. But he's telling me I can't fix this slice. I'm like, but I can fix your slice. He goes, no, there's no way. You can fix it. I've had lessons. Or you're not going to be able You can't fix it. I've sliced my whole life. You can't. I said, I said, but let me explain something to you. I said, I've been teaching golf for like 43 years. I've given over 65,000 golf lessons. I can fix your slice. Oh, you know, way you can fix my slice. I'll, I'll, I said, I said, do you want to, you want to bet something that I can fix your slice? I mean, I mean he goes, he, he reaches in his pocket and he barely got a hundred dollars. He said, I'll bet a hundred dollars. I said, well, that's not, I'm not even going to bet a hundred dollars. I mean, I said, I'll fix your slice. Don't worry. As a matter of fact, a matter of fact, I'm going to tell me to tell you this. I said, you've never, you've never hooked a ball in your life. He said, no. I said, okay. I will fix your slice in one shot. How about that? Wow. One shot, I'll fix your slice. No, 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 you can't fix my slice. You got to have kahunas to say that there. That's no, nice. No, I mean, it's not that. It's, but listen, when you slice, the club face is open relative to the path of the swing, meaning if you're a right-handed player, the path of the swing is going too much to the left and the club face is pointed too much to the right. So all you have to do is figure out a way, any old way, to get the face to point more left at impact and the path to be more right at impact. You do those two things and you fix the, the slice, period, end of story. So this guy gets up there and he takes his, okay, I said, let me, let me see what you got. Well, first off, I explained to him about his driver. I said, your driver is probably not like set up correctly for you. That's number one. Because you're kind of a tall guy. How tall are you? He says, I'm like 6'2". I said, all right, you need, a, you need a more upright driver. And then you need to drive, you need to set the driver with a higher loft. And I said, what loft to use? He said, nine degrees. I said, that's not enough for somebody that slices. He's got a nine degree driver. I said, turn the loft up. So he turned the loft up like two degrees or whatever. So he said, 11 degrees. And I said, put the loft higher. That'll close the face. Set the club more upright, an up more upright setting that will make it go more more left. And then you've got an adjustment on the bottom of the club, which is the weight, and you want to put that weight as far to the heel as you can, which which has the effect of slowing down the heel and speeding up the toe. I said that's the first thing. Your equipment, 
and with an adjustable driver, I mean, a, a great adjustable driver like a uh, Epic Flash or, uh, you know, the, from Callaway. I mean, that's the one I, I was I was using when I was there. Uh, I don't I don't have the the, the new one, whatever. Uh, what's it called? Maverick or whatever. I don't have one of those. But anyway, Epic Flash I was using. I said, listen, if you if you got the right setting on the driver, it can fix up to 40 yards of your slice. And I gave him my driver to use, which I had set up just like it, it should go. So I I knew we could get the ball to, to hook. But he takes his first swing and, the, you know, he takes one swing and the club face is open at the top. I said, all right, no, that's that's good. Stand back here and let me explain your swing. I said, your club face is 15 degrees open at the top of your swing. I said, your path is four degrees to the left as you come through the ball. I said, we need the path to go three degrees to the right. We got to get the club face more square at the top of the swing so we can get it more square at the bottom. We need to, you need to feel like you're swinging more to the right. And I had him take all these practice swings, swinging more to the right. And then I had him, you know, feel like he was square in the back of his left hand, turning his hand before he got to the ball and, and, and getting, getting that better so that, so that he, he could get the face more closed. And then I, you know, before that, I got the, the face better at the top by just changing his grip, getting his grip in, in a stronger position. And sure enough, he hits the first ball. And, I, you know, because I had, like, boasted that I would, you know, get him to hook it in one shot, the first one, and I'm like, I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, okay, no matter what, I'm going to overdo this. And he snap hooks this thing right into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> but he hooked it. He hooked it. Uh, and Mario Lemieux yells out. He said, "It hooked." And uh, you know, I thought, okay, you, you know, you're right about that. But everybody that could see could see that, hey, that's a better, you know, result. Like, like I always say, the road to good golf does not go through a slice. You go from slicing to hooking to good golf. And this guy had sliced his whole life. But the reason I went to the left too much is that he was swinging to the left still. So I kept getting him to swing more to the right, more to the right, more to the right. Close the face earlier, earlier, earlier. Feel like you're turning your left hand before you get to the ball. Uh, strengthen your grip. Ease up on your grip pressure. You ease up on your grip pressure. It's easier to release the club and get the back of the left hand square. And this guy was, you know, hit good shot. First time he ever, every ball was drawn. Every single ball. He drew every single ball he hit. He'd never, have never drawn a ball in his life. So I see him afterwards and he, you know, he, he gets done. And I said, did you, did you eat your words today? About me not being able to fix your slice? And he said, Hank, I, I hooked every single ball on the golf course. He said, I've never hooked a ball before. I said, that's because you've never had a good golf lesson. That's why. Right. So is this just a, the fact that none of these guys have any idea what they're doing on the golf course? No. No. No idea. They have no idea. No idea. Well, and the thing I explained to him, okay, I mean, listen, I'm not, you know, trying to criticize, you know, like other instructors. But here's, this is just the facts. You take an, an, a, a golf instructor at a club, okay, or a golf course, wherever, wherever this golf instructor is. Maybe he's been teaching. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give you a guy who's pretty experienced. Let's say he's been teaching for 10 years, okay? If he's pretty busy instructor, let's call him a sort of busy instructor, gives a lot of lessons, maybe he's given 500 lessons a year. Maybe, okay. Ten years, five hundred less years. He's given five thousand lessons. I've given sixty-five thousand lessons. So you would you would think that after that amount of time, you would be able to figure something out. It's just not you know it's not that terribly hard to be honest with you. I mean, like I told him, listen, 
if you're a golf instructor and you can't fix a slice, I, you, you know, you're, you're not going to have a lot of business because 90% of the people that play golf slice. But anyway, the guy, uh, the, the guy, you know, did really good. So that was, uh, that was, you know, you know what, for me, that's always a thrill. Uh, it never gets old. I mean, I've been doing it forever, given so many golf lessons, so many years. And to be able to change somebody's ball flight like that is just, uh, it, it's, 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 it was a thrill when I first did it. It's a thrill today, you know, 43 years later when I do it, because I know how much people enjoy hitting the ball better and hitting better shots. And especially if you slice the ball, which is just a horrible feeling. And then you get the ball to draw and it's so much more solid and it goes so much farther. And everybody says, man, I hit the ball farther than I've ever hit it today. And they said, I play with my friend who I play with all the time. He's never hit, seen me hit one golf shot like that. And I kept doing it hole after hole. And, you know, it just it's a it's a great feeling. So I, I had a I had a had a good day. Now my golf is uh, well. I'll give you a little I'll give you a little report. But uh, let's take a little break and uh, I'll give you my my golf report when uh, we come back on the Hank Any podcast. We'll hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. At Bed three six five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, 
Tim, you want my golf report? Yeah, let's hear it, Hank. Okay, it was not. Uh, it was not pretty. Now, my let me give you my my warm up uh, as to how I warmed up for this event. I have played golf. I have not played golf eighteen holes in over a year. Now, the reason for that is is a year ago, uh, February, almost exactly to this date, is when I had my back surgery. It took a while for me to come back from the back surgery. When I started trying to hit balls after a few months, as soon as I would make contact with the ball, even though my back didn't feel too bad, the vibration from hitting the ball, would I could feel it right up my back. So I, I you know, immediately like said, okay, I got to shut this down. This isn't going to work. And toward the end of the summer, you know, I was feeling a little better. Every every couple of weeks, I would try to hit some more balls, and it wasn't great. And then I would, you know, not do it anymore. And then I'd hit a few more, and it wasn't great. And then toward the end of the summer, you know, there was a, a, I played, I think I played, you know, with uh, up at Gaza Ranch with Adam Levine when he was in town. We, we played maybe, and I played three or four holes or whatever. And then maybe one day I might have played eight or nine, but I don't, I can't even remember. Uh, but it wasn't. It wasn't good, and you know I hadn't hadn't played. Then I had. Then I came back, and in the you know fall, in November, you know I had my knees operated. I had bilateral knee replacement. The good thing is, is when I had my knees done, it allowed my back time to heal like it should, and you know, my back feels great. Now my knees are done. Of course, you know I mean I'm, I'm three months and, and a week out of. Uh, knee replacement surgery so that's not that's kind of brand new so I obviously have not played golf so I played you know I hadn't played in a year and so I I went in my backyard which I've got my celebrity greens set up I got a beautiful putting green in my backyard with a net and everything and I went in my backyard and I hit some I hit some balls now that's not exactly the warm up to go play, but I felt like I was hitting pretty good. But of course, the ball's only going ten feet into the net. But I, I could tell where the ball was starting off, and I felt pretty good about it. And I'd hit like fifty balls, and then another day I hit like seventy five balls, and one day I hit a hundred balls. News I was hitting like eight or nine iron, and then the last time, like was last Saturday or what, I I hit some drivers in my backyard, and I felt pretty good. And then I said, okay, I got to go test this out. So on, I think it was like Sunday. I, before I went to Las Vegas, I I went over to uh, Arizona Country Club where I'm a member, and I hit balls on the drive range for like 45 minutes, and I hit them pretty good. Uh, they weren't I, I was not announcing they were going that far, not relative to you know. I kept looking at the yardage markers and the laser and trying to figure out how far I was hitting the ball, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that all, as far as I'm hitting the ball. So, but it is what it is, and I, I wasn't hitting it too far. I sure don't want them rolling the ball back based on the distances I was hitting. But I I hit it pretty good. So I got out there, okay, to Reflection Bay. Right? And this is a you know a nightmare for somebody like me with, you know, because I've had I got, you know, new knees, I got the back, I got the, you know, so I'm a little stiff, okay. Now it's thirty minute car ride out there from the hotel. I'm a little stiff. It's about forty eight degrees. The wind's blowing twenty miles an hour. I'm a little stiff. Okay. Well, there's no driving range. 
and it's a shotgun start and I'm playing with my, I've got four guys and me. So I'm the, I'm the pro guy and we're playing a scramble. Now, you know what a scramble is. Yeah, everybody hits off the, the first, everybody hits off the tee and you pick the best one. You go up to the, where the ball is, you hit the best one from there and you just continue on like that. Right. Yep. So it's good because there's no pressure. You don't, you know, you're not technically posting your own score, but then again, you don't want to embarrass yourself. So I get up on the first hall and I hit a uh, drive uh, right down the middle of the fairway. Now, I don't know the course. Uh, it was, it seemingly was a very short hit, I thought, but it was down the fairway and we used my drive, but I was not like, I thought, if, you know, if I was back in the day, I would, this would be like 50 yards short of where I could be. But anyway, I'll take it. It was straight. And then I, Got up there on a, t- you know, the fairways were really tight, tight lies. And it's like not my favorite shot, tight lie fairway. So I got a wedge off a tight lie and I hit it in there like eight feet from the hole and I made birdie. Okay, so that was my first hole. So that's that's a good start. Yeah. Now, after that, I proceeded to almost lose every ball in my bag. What? I My driver was so bad. At one to the right, all the rest were hooking left shots and it was not pretty oh my god it was awful i mean it just was like i'm i mean i thought i don't know if i brought enough ammunition uh you know i'm running out of balls but oh it wasn't but at the end of the, then i but you know i hit some good shots i hit a couple good irons you know toward the end uh there was a hole in one hole for fifty thousand dollars i hit that thing right at the flag but it went too far I was thinking for a second. I was, you know, was this was looking good, and then you know it, it was a little, little too far. I, I probably missed club because I, I hadn't hit a shot solid all day. So I, I, when I did hit one solid, it went too far. But I made some putts. So at the end, I, I ended up making like, I ended up making like four birdies. That's pretty good. Pretty much, I went, yeah, that was good. That would be good for any day, to be honest with you. So that that part, but I made a couple bombs with the putter. And you know that was that was okay. So I mean, you know, overall, uh, a lot of bad shots. I hit a pitch shot on one hole out of the rough, and I felt like I made the right amount of swing. And it comes up like thirty yards short, and I look at my club and the mark on top of my club, my wedge, my Callaway Shroud wedge. I've got a grass mark that's like four grooves from the top of my club. I, I hit it so far on top of the club that it just went nowhere zero came up short but i had a i had a few sound but i made some putts oh man i made some putts i made i made a, a like a 55 footer on 17 and i made like a 50 footer on 18 back to back that's a lot of fun oh yeah i made some putts but the thing here's the thing okay about uh scrambles when you're when you're putting like I putted last on the scramble. Okay, so there's five guys on the scramble, and I put I putted last. Well, I'm not, I'm not the best greens reader. I will I'll have to say that. I try to employ the aim point a little bit, feeling the slope with my feet, but I'm not great. You know, I haven't practiced the aim point a lot. I love it as a as a, a, a learn to read the greens uh, deal, but I'm I'm not good at it. You know, I need to practice it more. And I just don't read greens very good. 
But when you play in a scramble, what you what you should do is put the your your best putter last. And since I was a pro, you know, I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go last because you know I'm, I haven't played, but even having not played, I'm still the best putter. And you, what you do is you get to see everybody else putt first. So the way you, you should do it, like when you're, you're if you're ever playing in a scramble, you put your higher handicap players first, and then your best putter last, and then that way you can figure out exactly which way the putt breaks before the best putter gets to hit. Well, so when I'm putting, I've watched four guys putt before me, and I should pretty much know exactly which way the ball's going to break and how much, and you learn the speed of the putt, and and then it gives me a, a better chance to make a much better chance to make it. So, so like I, I said to the one guy, I said, you know, I mean, people would see me putt today and say you're a great putter, but I got to watch four people putt before me, and they told me the speed and the break exactly, and then all I had to do was just hit it there. So it, it's it's a little bit misleading, but I'm I'm not trying to you know take away from the the great putts I made, but it's just it's just the facts. Uh, now what what happened? Like the first hole, here's the first putt I made. It was a, this was a, like a this putt broke like three feet. Well, the first guy putts and he puts it on the low side by about three feet. So you learn nothing when somebody, when the first player hits a putt and it breaks too much, and remember, 85% of all putts are missed on the low side of the hole. But when the first putt breaks too much and you miss it on the, on the low side, well, then, then that, that doesn't teach anybody anything. Like if you play too much break and the putt breaks right to left and you play too much break, what that does is it will tell everybody behind you exactly how much less you should play. But it doesn't work that way when the ball gets on the low side of the hole and it breaks breaks off. So it's very, very hard to learn anything from a putt that, that you miss on the low side. So the first guy misses three feet low and the second guy misses two feet low and the third guy misses a foot and a half low and the next guy misses a you know, foot and a half low and everybody's missed on the low side. Now one person's played enough break. So I got up there and I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I tell people to do. And I tell people, 85% of all putts are missed on the low side of the hole. So what you need to do is play more break than you think. But I didn't know how much more to play. I just knew that I need to play a lot more than those guys played. So I said, okay, they aimed here, and I'm going to play. You know what? It looks like it looks like you should. It looks like I should play it here a little more break. But you know what? Every single person's missed on the low side, and I don't want to miss on the low side too. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play way more break. And when you play more break, instinctively, when you're playing a ton of break, instinctively you're going to hit it easier because when you hit it easier, it will it will break more. And you have to you know you have to have dead weight to the hole. In other words, just put it exactly to the hole in order for maximum break to go in the hole. This is something Peter Costas always used to point out on CBS when, uh, you know, when he was on there and you could actually learn something. So, so I played what I thought was too much break, but I hit it a perfect speed. And that's the best way to putt on fast greens. It's the best way to putt on, on greens that where the, it's going to break a lot. 
And sure enough, you know, I, I made this putt. I just, you know, it was like a 30 footer and it was right to left. And I just played a ton of break. And, you know, it was just, a, it was just kind of a guess because I didn't learn anything from the guys in front of me. And then the rest of the day, I told, I, I was kind of coaching everybody up and I told them just play more break than you think, play more break. And even I felt like, okay, the first couple of guys are not very good putters. They're probably going to miss anyways. But if they play too much break, and they hit it too hard, which they do. So they played too much break. They hit it too hard. The ball's going to go by the cup. But then I would watch and see if it broke enough, even if it was eight feet by the cup or 10 feet by the cup. But if it eventually had turned enough where it would have gone in, then that tells me that that putt would go in if it was the correct speed. And after that, then I, you know, I learned most of my putts, I hit the right speed. And then I ended up, uh, Ended up making so I made so I made some some good bombs, which was uh, you know that that part was was fun. I had a couple that weren't you know they kind of. I mean, I want like I say I was super confident because my only putting practice I didn't put one I didn't put it all on the putting green because there wasn't one. Uh, we just got on the carts and teed off. So my only putting practice had been in my backyard on Sunday night on my celebrity green which is about the same speed as the greens on the course because they were rolling pretty fast. They were rolling like at 11. And that's what my celebrity green rolls. And and I, you know, I, so I had a pretty good feel, but I had a couple that I hit the wrong speed. But when I got the speed right, I pretty much, uh, I, I pretty much made everything. But it was because the other, the other guys uh, showed, showed me the way first. And that's, you know, there, there's a little strategy you want to use when you're playing in a scramble. I mean, one, one is, is that, uh, you want your shorter hitters to hit first, uh, get the ball, you know, get a ball in play in the fairway, and then give your longer hitters a chance to swing away at the end without any fear that they're going to cost the team a hole or whatever. So we did that, uh, and uh, you know that that works out works out pretty good. Yeah, and that's one strategy. And kind of the same thing going with irons going into the green. I mean, you, you want to, um, you know, let the the higher handicap players go first, and if they happen to get lucky or whatever, then it you know takes a little pressure off the the other guys, uh, the 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 better players. And 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 the other thing is is that even if the the higher handicaps don't hit a good shot, I think the better player wants to know that the pressure's on them. You know, you, you don't you don't want the better player going first and thinking, well, you know, if I don't hit this good, it doesn't matter because there's four guys coming behind me. I'd rather the better player know that, hey, you have to hit this shot good. Now, maybe sometimes the guy, you know, chokes a little too much. But in general, it would be better to to know if you're a better player to know that you had to hit a shot. So that's that's kind of the, the, the strategy. And it goes all the way all the way through the, uh, the green. But I, I coached up my guys in my group, helped them sometimes out of the sand trap. Uh, you know, told them where to put the ball. Most people don't have, don't have the ball far enough forward in their stance. Most people don't have the club face open enough because we did have a couple sand shots we had to hit. And uh, I, I coached the guy into the the you know into a, a decent shot, which I, I felt like I could do. And then I I, I putted pretty good. So I had some you know I I had some good holes that uh, you know where the the birdie was pretty much mine, and I. Uh, you know, I, I felt good about that. Um, my driving needs a little work. Although I did kind of like three quarters. This is how little in touch I am with playing golf. Um, like after about 15 holes, I realized that, you know what? I changed all the settings on my driver 
This was so stupid. I, I, I'm like, this took me 15 holes to figure this out. I, after 15 holes, I figured out that I had changed all the settings on my driver to be able to hook the ball because the, the guy that I was telling you that I gave the lesson at my clinic. So I had, I had the loft increased. I had the, the uh, which closes the face. I had the weight all the way on the heel, which closes the face. I had the club set on a more upright setting. I had all these things adjusted for this guy to, to not slice it. And I forgot to change it back for myself. And then when I, so I finally changed it back, which of course, technically you're not supposed to do. It's like illegal. So I guess we could get disqualified, but we we only, we ended up shooting. It was a, like a, it was, the wind was blowing like 25 miles an hour. This place is called Lake Las Vegas, Reflection Bay. And there were literally white caps on the lake. Yeah, it was, wind was blowing so hard. Um, but after 15 holes, I changed the settings back on the, on the driver. We ended up shooting like, uh, I think we shot. What do we shoot? Six under on the first four. We shot 10 under par. I think we finished like, you know, I think 13 under one. So it was like typically in a scramble, it might be 18 under, but it was such a tough day that like, I think 13 under one, we shot like 10 under. So we, you know, we were like upper third or, you know, I don't know, maybe we finished fourth or something or second or third. I don't know what we finished, but I knew we didn't win. Anyway, I changed the driver back and I, and I, my first one, because I changed it back, I blocked it straight right because I was overcompensating for my hook. And then, you know, I, I got a couple better. But anyway, I got I got a little practice to do. But um, I'm back in action. My knees were great. I, I was able to walk in and out of the sand traps, which I couldn't do before. My knees were so bad. The walk on the golf course didn't hurt me. And I... Uh, I played 18 holes and, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I guess I could use the theory that, uh, you know, everybody had with Tiger when he was coming back, you know, my, uh, it's a positive cause my knees didn't hurt and my back didn't hurt and I'm, and I'm back in action. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. It sounds like a very overall great time on the golf course yeah. considering you just had double knee replacement surgery a couple months ago. Yeah. And considering I almost lost every ball in my bag. There you go. But other than that, it was it was it was good. So how loud did the uh, how loud did your partners get and you get after you drilled those bombs? How excited <laughs> did you guys get? Did well, you guys whip fun. off your shirts or anything? Or no, anything? no, 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 no. The one guy who putted before me on the last hole told the other guy. He said, "If you knock this putt in, uh, we're gonna you and I are gonna jump in the lake." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, so he, these guy missed the putt. And he didn't, neither one of them had to jump in the lake. And when I made the putt, I said, we're not jumping in the lake. But anyway, it was a little cold out there, but it was fun and it was, it was good. And then, uh, you know, I, I got become, so anyway, that's my, uh, that's my golf story. If that, uh, if anybody cares, <laughs> but uh, the charity story was great and it was a great day and it's always, uh, you know, fun to be able to, to uh, do that. Then afterwards they had a little, they had an auction and, um, and that was pretty cool. So they auctioned off, like all, the guys were going to play at, at uh, Shadow Creek, which is a treasure of a course in Las Vegas. Steve Wynn built it when uh, he used to own the the Mirage and the Bellagio and this. But uh, so he, he, now it's owned by MGM, but he built the course, Tom Fazio course, fantastic golf course. That's where they had the match, the big match, Tiger versus Phil. It's really, it costs you like 
two thousand dollars or something to play there. You got to be a, like a high roll or a hundred thousand dollar credit limit to play there. I don't know what it is, but hardly anybody gets to play there. But it's a great course, and they were going to play there the next day. So they auctioned off one spot. You got to play with three celebrities, and Mario Lemieux was in one group with uh, I forget who else, but like a couple of other other hockey greats, and. It, somebody paid four thousand dollars to go play with with them, and that was so they auctioned off all that. They made a, raised a, you know, like twenty thousand dollars for the charity there. Then uh, David Wells, the former Yankee pitcher, he had some uh, baseballs that he had signed from uh, three like Yankee greats that uh, had thrown like I think perfect games or no hitters, and. It, all the balls were signed by himself, David Wells, who's, who threw a perfect game for the Yankees. And then uh, Don Larson, who threw a perfect game in the World Series, the only person ever to do that. So he, 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 and he's recently passed away. So he, he had signed these balls. And then Roger Clemens had signed the ball, too, who also, uh, I don't know if he threw a perfect game or no hitter or whatever for the Yankees, but the balls were signed by, um, these three Yankee greats, you know, one of them who would, you know, had just passed away. He was the only one who'd thrown a prison. So there'll never be another ball signed by, you know, this Don Larson. He's no longer with us. And David Wells has this collection of these balls that he got all the three guys to sign. He got Don Larson to sign it before he passed away. And these guys were bidding on it. Guys bid like $5,000 for these balls. And there was like three guys that were bidding one another up. And David Wells like said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to donate three of these balls for the charity because he had like he's got like twenty of them that he had signed, and he donated three of them for the charity. So, so this David Wells alone, I mean, it's really nice thing to do. He contributed uh, fifteen thousand dollars because of that to the charity, the Unforgettables charity. And then he went. Then he turned around, and Kurt Busch was auctioning off one of his uh, racing suits. And these racing suits are, you know, really cool. I mean, you know, the NASCAR racing suit. And he was like, what's the, you know, what's the first bid going to be? And Kurt Busch got up there and he's a, he's a really good guy. And he got up there and he's like auctioning this thing off. And uh, David Wells like is a like a sports memorabilia collector. And he, he raises his hand and the, the, the first thing you know, I mean, he, he, he says, he's, he goes, $5,000. And he, he, so he, not only did he donate the the three uh, baseballs, but for fifteen thousand dollars, that raised fifteen thousand. But he bought Kurt Busch's like racing like outfit for five thousand. So so he alone was responsible for twenty thousand dollars to the charity. Wow, which was pretty pretty cool. So anyway, I mean that's. Uh, I just want to give him a plug for that because it was a really nice thing to do. And he's, he's, he is a great guy. So anyway, I'm a big fan of his too. Uh, okay. We're going to take a break and uh, when we uh, get back, uh, come back, we're going to, uh, we got a couple uh, questions that people sent in and we're going to, uh, we're going to tackle those, but we'll be right back on the Hank Haney podcast after we hear from our sponsors. One of which is voodoo pain relief cream. If you've got aches and pains, arthritis pain, knee pain, joint pain, muscle pain, 
back pain, whatever it is. And you've probably tried pain relief creams in the past. If you haven't tried Voodoo Pain Relief Cream, you've heard me talk about it. If you you follow me, you've heard me talk about this product. It is a fantastic product. Go on the website, check out the the testimonials, voodoopainrelief.com, and you can sign up right now. On the front page, there's a free offer for a two-week free supply. If you've never tried it, this is your this is your absolute chance. You can get a free two-week supply, and you'll see just how good this product works. VoodooPainRelief.com. Uh, give it a give it a try, and you're going to be uh, thanking me for 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 that little uh, advice I'm giving you giving you right there. We'll be right back on the Hank Any Podcast. At Bed Three Six Five, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Minnesota Tim. Uh, we got a, a couple of questions from our listeners. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, so we we uh, teased this last podcast. We you answered Jordan's question about Tiger's putting, uh-huh. and um, so we got some CBS ones that called in last week <laughs> that we haven't got to yet. Okay, and um, we definitely need to hear your thoughts about this one. We got a couple to react to. Um, I'll just play them back-to-back right away, and then uh, I'll let you react to both of them. Chris and Atlanta, this is ridiculous, this 
freaking CBS uh, telecast is absolutely absurd. You know what they need to get in there? They need to redo the whole thing, and they need to get someone fiery in there, young, like Pat Perez. Like you guys said, youth movement, and you go with 60-year-old Davis Love the Third. get someone fiery in there, get a young teacher, get Yankees in there. I don't – pay them whatever. This is this is a more what we're watching every week. Unbelievable, disgusting, <laughs> vanilla, vanilla, vanilla. That's why the tour will never survive after Tiger's gone. All right, Hank. Oh, screw man. it. Let's just hear your reaction after that one. Oh boy. Well, I mean, we've been talking about this. I mean, we've been talking about how golf needs to get something going. I mean, this this is a it'll survive and things will evolve and got, it'll get better and they'll have you know, telecasts that are hopefully better. You know, one of the things I like about this premier golf league that the uh, CEO said, and, and the, uh, what's his name? Andy Gardner. Yes. Um, okay. He said that, that they're talking about, they would have like, everybody would be televised and you might even have different announcers and different announcer styles for for different players, you know. Maybe like uh, if you're announcing one team or whatever, you, you might have a a real like you know hip announcer announcing one team, and you might have a different style announcer announcing another team, which is really a cool idea. Uh, but yeah, what they got going on is a little. Well, it's it's not a little vanilla. It's really vanilla. I, you know, I don't know what I don't know what, what they were thinking. I know, you know. Listen, they're listening to everybody talk. They're not they're not out there like defending themselves. Okay, a couple, you know, Frank Navalo was, but not but other. But I don't I don't hear a lot of defense. I think they know that they got an issue. Uh, this thing hasn't worked out too good. Whatever they they got going. I don't think Pat Perez is probably going to you know be sitting in the 18th tower. They have this formula that they follow. And the formula is you're going to get a major champion to be an announcer. That's what, that's what their deal is. It's a former major champion to be an announcer. Now, okay, who are they going to get to do this? If you can play and, and still play and you're 50 years old or whatever, you're going you're gonna to play on the tour. If you can still play and you, you 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 like to play, and most people do, but if you can still play, you're going to play the Champions Tour. I mean, that's just that's just a given. So now they have to find, because of their formula, they have to find a former major champion who, for whatever reason, can't play still. Well, that means that the former major and they need a job and they want a job and they, they and they're a tell it like it is kind of person. Well, how many people are there like that? I mean, Johnny Miller was like that, but see, Johnny Miller had no uh, inkling to play on the Champions Tour because he he couldn't pot. He had the yips, and he didn't want to go out there and just torment himself. Great ball striker, but he struggled with putting. I mean, the last term he won it when he won at Pebble Beach. I mean, he yipped it all around there. I mean, I know he won; it was great. And I mean, but that is that's tough to take if you're a you know a great champion like him. So you know, he's he's a perfect guy to it. Faldo, same thing. Not good with the putt. Okay, so he's in the booth. 
Uh, you know, and then you got like, okay, look at the golf channel, a champions broadcast, Lanny Watkins. He, he couldn't play anymore because of his injuries. He had, you know, bad back and injuries, so he couldn't play. So, so you've got to get somebody that will tell it like it is that either can't play anymore because of an injury or can't play anymore because of, of the yips and bad putting. It's just a, it's, it's a small group they're picking from. You know, a lot of guys are maybe, well, not a lot of guys, but maybe there's a few guys that fit that bill, but they're not about to to do it because they they don't, uh, you know, they don't have a tell it like it all is personality. Like the, the, the caller mentioned, you know, Pat Perez, but, you know, Pat would have that and he would be great, but they just doesn't fit their formula. You know, their formula is that, uh, you know, you got to be a major champion because they're worried about like the players are going to get bent out of shape because somebody's criticizing them. They're going to say, "What have you? You know, you've won two tournaments in your career. How how can you be criticizing me? I've won, you know, four majors or whatever." And that's what that's what they they go by. So that's the, you know, that's that's the deal right there, Tim. I mean, that's that's why we we are where we are. But they they got to figure out something. I mean, they they need to break the mold a little bit, give somebody else a chance. They he, he, caller also mentioned George Gankus. He's a he's a, a teacher and he's a, a good teacher. He's a great teacher, and he's a you know kind of a you know buck the system, uh, do it his way. You know, somebody like that would be good. Yeah, I, I I don't see that happening. I don't yeah. think people understand just how difficult it is to. And including CBS, I don't think people understand how difficult it is to go on a golf course and deliver and actually say something meaningful. No, it's not, I know. You can't I just know. go out there and just mumble whatever you want. You actually have no. to come prepared and be ready to say something. Yeah. And they, they gave, you know, like the rumor is they gave Davis Love like a couple of practice, you know, sessions and, you know, thought he would be. You know, he'd have it down. Well, I mean, that's just, it's just, I mean, come on. I mean, Gary McCord and Peter Costas were doing this forever. And and they, you know, they both like like to talk and they're not scared to say something. And I mean, it's it's just a quality that, that not everybody has. So I just, I don't think it's uh, something that's going to, that's going to, you know, be easy to, to replicate. I mean, they, you know, they've tried different guys, and you know, most of the time it doesn't work out. Guy's too nice a guy, doesn't want to say anything. Um, you know, it, it, that guy doesn't want to criticize his his former you know playing competitors. You know, I mean, whatever the reason might be, they just uh, they miss out. I don't think it's a big pool they're picking from. When people say like, "Oh, just let's just you know replace this guy or replace that guy," I'm like, well, okay, now who are you going to get? That's always, you know, it's like when people say, oh, we need a new coach for whatever sport. And I'm like, all right, that's fine. I, I, I get it. You know, we probably do need a new coach, but who are you going to get? And, you know, you could you could go out there and you could be like the NFL. You can say, well, we'll try this coach. Well, he didn't work out. Okay. Well, we'll try this guy. Well, he didn't work out. <laughs> I mean, it's not like you're guaranteed that you're going to make a great hire. It doesn't, it's not, not the way the whole program works, so. That's uh, that's kind of what's happened in a nutshell with 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 where they are. All right, Tim. Uh, good stuff. Uh, we'll uh, we'll continue on uh, uh, tomorrow. But uh, remember, everybody, if you've got a question, you want to call in eight three three 
or you got a comment that you want us to respond to, we'll do it. So the number is 833-426-5763, extension 801. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Hank Haney. You can send questions in to hankhaneygolf at outlook.com. And most importantly, make sure you hit the follow button on your iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. And our podcasts will show up there every day. And uh, we'll, be, we'll be right there talking golf uh, with you on the Hank Haney Podcast. Hope everybody has a great day. Minnesota Tim, thanks for being with me. Uh, we'll be back again tomorrow on the Hank Haney Podcast. Thanks for tuning into the Hank Haney Podcast. Listen, follow, rate, and share on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can make your thoughts and questions heard by emailing the show at hankhaneygoff at outlook.com. And you can also tweet me directly by sending your tweets to at Hank Haney on Twitter. The Hank Haney Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.